Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate yeah. to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Every week on Kindling Helpline, Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue takes your parenting questions to help you through the good, the bad, the tantrums and the sleepless nights. Unfortunately, Chris is sick today, so we're going to look back on some of her best advice from the last few months. We've got some great advice from the sleep special during Kindling's week of sleep, how to establish a good sleep routine while on holidays, dropping formula feeds, help with overnight settling and much more. So let's start with our first question. This is from Raylene. She says, uh, good morning. Hello, Raylene. Um, My 20-month-old suffers from asthmatic-type symptoms. She's had two hospitalizations in respiratory distress and has been on and off Ventolin and Flixotide for the past six months. The doc and pediatrician are unsure if it's true asthma or related to viruses she may have picked up. I think with asthma, they don't normally diagnose until three, question mark. She recently had a nasty cold and we ended up sitting with her till she fell asleep at night and then sleeping on the floor next to her when she woke overnight, partly to keep an eye ear on her chest, but also as it was the easy option. Of course, now three weeks later, she expects the company all the time, including naps. (laughs) We've started by tackling bedtime by leaving her door open, sitting outside her door and telling her we are going to get drinks, etc., then coming back, increasing away time until she falls asleep. This is working well. However, once she falls asleep, we need to shut her door due to cold weather. Um, They have an oil heater and pets. We're ready to tackle getting her to sleep alone overnight again, but unsure where to begin as she is quite intense. In the past, when we've tried controlled crying type situations, she'll stay awake for two to four hours straight in the middle of the night and scream until she's hoarse, vomits or is soaking with tears. So this little girl is 20 months old. Gosh, there's a lot going on there, that's for sure. So I think... Um, you've actually started the right thing in what I would do, which is, you know, being there for a short period and then leaving and then extending that period that you leave. Um, and ideally, that's probably the easiest thing to do. I think the trick is that you need to be consistent with it. And I know that they can get quite ill when they have asthma type um, symptoms. I have asthma and I know how, what it does in terms of your sleep. But I think the hard thing is that parents often when their child gets you know a childhood virus and a childhood cold they completely revert what they're doing and that's where the problem obviously comes so I think the idea is to take that if she's going to have this reaction to a cold and a virus is you've got to have a game plan anyway because it's not going to go away this winter she's probably going to have it for a couple of years until she grows out of it is that reassurance and checking her but leaving and I think you fell into the fatal I'll just lay down and once that happens it's sort of all over so continue doing what you're doing by setting the limits of being there for a short period of time and then leaving and extending the period that you leave but make sure if you've told your child that you're coming back that you do come back 
So even if it's come back and they've gone to sleep the next morning, she's a bit young. But if the child was older, I'd say, you know, you fell asleep while mummy came back to give you a kiss. And, and I think that's reassuring to the child. So keep going with what you're doing. I think just keep extending the time that you separate from her and keep coming back to give her some reassurance and then apply that again at night. And I, I think if you did it for three really good days, you'd have a marked improvement in where you were, you know. So hold your breath, pick your days and go for it. Good luck with that, Raylene, and come back to us if you have any more questions. We have Emma from South Australia on the phone, and Emma has a question regarding her one-year-old. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hello. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. What can we do? Um, Okay. So I have a... um, I just had nearly turned one-year-old, and um, he hasn't bounced. He did. He didn't bounce back from his um, so-called four-month regression. Um, so we were madly listening to lots of your podcasts, and um, and the one that really resonated up with us was the um, the one about overfeeding or him him feeding too much on solids yep. and then not feeding as, as effectively on his um, milk feed before bed. So we trialed that with him, and it worked beautifully for oh, um, yeah for just you. about a month. But, oh. <laughs> there's always a but, um, but we headed away last weekend for the long weekend with um, friends and um, yeah, since doing that whole communal living and him being in the cot in our room and yep. trying not to um, put other people out um, with that communal living, he just, he hasn't bounced back and no. um, we're really struggling. So um, oh. he won't go down, he won't self-settle, um, he's, oh. yeah, he's just screaming and crying and, and carrying on. So it's a, it's a little bit unsettling for him and for us. Right. Yeah. Okay. So in that time that you were away, what were you doing to get him to sleep? We were using our normal um, sort of routine, routine in terms of, yeah, so um, he had to, he has one lap during the day, which isn't great, but he... He was sleeping really well at night, so, you know, yeah. take what, yeah. what you can. And um, so that was just, you know, bath, books, bedtime, um, walk into the room, he turns the light off, he shuts the door, quick cuddle, oh. put him into his cot and um, he's, you know, happy, he's awake and just a firm hand on him and he sort of falls asleep um, and that was our routine. Yep. Until, yeah. And when you went away, was he responding to that as well? He was, um, but I guess. Yeah, and then towards the end, of so maybe it was a five-night stay. Um, first couple of nights, it was okay. And then sort of second Slowly. or third night in, nah, or everything, just he would uh, lower him into his cot and he'd arch his back and start screaming. So yeah. you pick him up, try and comfort him, wait till he's calm, put him back, back down, down, walk away. And, you know, he's just, he's just screaming every yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. So in the last few days while you've been trying to correct it, what eventually gets him to sleep? Yeah, <laughs> so just falling asleep out of sheer exhaustion on our chair. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, and what time is he sleeping in the day and what time are you putting him down in the evening? Okay, so during the day he's um, so he's having a sort of a mid-morning nap at 9, 9.30. We're, yep. just, we're trying to cut that out because I'm, I'm of, of the understanding that maybe he's getting towards dropping that, but... He really does struggle to get to the lunchtime now. Well, so he's, he's a bit young, probably to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can make it really short though. Yeah, um, like fifteen minutes. But I would morning that. Yeah, I would think he's a bit young to drop to one sleep. Generally, okay. Yeah, All right. well, that's good feedback. Yeah. And then sort of twelve, twelve thirty, his his lunch nap, and he he just um, 
yeah, he just doesn't really seem to get past 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Um, but then he's really happy all the way through till bedtime, which is 6.37, depending yeah. on how long his lunch nap is. And like I said, he was he was going down for about a month. Um, he was going really down well. really well without yeah. a fuss and he was sleeping sort of 7 p.m. till sort of uh, 5.36 a.m. And, and we were quite, quite happy with that because, um, that, you know, that's the best sleep yeah. that we've had for a while. But since going away, we... Yeah, we just um, we can't get him to settle to go to sleep without okay. that real protesting. Okay, so what we're going to do is just regulate his times for a few days so it's really predictable. So at the age of one, he's probably got himself a little bit overtired with this sort of different sleep behaviour and, and lack of sleep. Um, so at his age, the time frame in the day is about three and a half hours. So from when he wakes up, three and a half hours later, put him down, but only for a 20-minute sleep. So let's say he's up at 6 and you put him down at 9.30, I'd have him up by 10. And then three to three and a half hours later, I'd put him down. Now, what that's going to do is hopefully give him a little bit more sleep in the day so he's not so overtired in the evening so that when we go to change the behaviour around how he goes to sleep, you're not dealing with a really overtired baby who's then going to be, you know, arching his back and screaming and not be able to cope with some self-settling. So lots of people will be trying to reduce the sleep in the hope that they'll go to sleep faster. But what they actually are doing is becoming more and more overtired and not being able to cope at all. So sometimes we go back and give him a bit more sleep. And that first sleep of the day, it almost make incidental. Because usually by 14 months, that sleep has gone. So you're right in that it would be weaning down. And we want to establish that afternoon sleep so that he carries that one through for you for a little while. So that first morning sleep could be in the pram or you're going to do something or the car. But the second sleep, the lunchtime sleep, I put him down in the cot and then in the evening put him down the cot. And that'll be the learning experience for him. You've got a good little routine, you know, the stories, cuddle. He's got the control about shutting the door and turning the light off. That's pretty much a one-year-old. So all of that is good. Now, when you lift him into the cot, does he start crying or once he's in he, the cot? Um, yeah, so now he knows when he, he knows. sort of, he starts quick. his head on your <laughs> collarbone and he gives you a bit of a cuddle and then as you sort of flip him ah. into the corner of your elbow and then into the cot, he knows, he knows. and his first thing is to grab at your your other shoulder to stop you from flipping ah, him from onto his him. side. And he's very clever. Yeah, he's pretty stubborn. <laughs> They're like a sure. monkey at that stage. They yeah. hang on for dear life. Okay, <laughs> so what we're going to try and do is um, I would do that cuddle a little bit before you get to the cot. So okay. maybe doing the cuddle, then the story, then putting him in the cot because he okay. knows that when the cuddle <laughs> comes – that he's got to hang on for for dear life at that point. So let's do the cuddle, lovely little cuddle, you know, walking, sitting in the room, then a little bit of a story. Then we're just going to put him into the cot, but we're not going to leave straight away because he's got to relearn how to put his head down again and learn how to go to sleep. So then what I would try is to sit just on the floor and keep patting the bed and saying, put your head down, put your head down, it's time for sleep. And then, you know, if you keep standing up as they do, they stand up, they walk around the cot, then try and put him down, put your hands on him, and then keep saying, time for sleep. Now, this is going to be tough. It took three days to sort of get into that cuddling him to sleep, and this is going to take about three days. So the first thing we've got to teach him is how to put his head down again. 
So we've got to get him to put his head down. You're going to give him lots of comfort, put your hands on him like you did before. And I suspect the first 24 hours will be really difficult, but the second and the third day it will get easier and he will understand that when you say, put your head down, it's time for sleep, he's going to put the head down. Then you can put your hand on him like you would do him before. So you're using lots of the signals that he had and we're going to reapply them, but I think he's a bit overtired and you're giving the cuddle at the end where he knows to hang on if you move him. So that would be the start of the approach. And I think once you get to that point, it will fall back into the stage where you can put him in the cot, say it's time for sleep, you know, give the the mattress a bit of a pat, let him put his head down, put your hand on him and he'll let you go out of the room like he did. So remember, this has been a really short period that he's been doing Mm -hmm. this. So if you get on top of it fairly quickly, the whole pattern will turn around. It hasn't been a month or so. It's just been a really short time. And I think he's just got used to it because he was in a strange environment. But it's a really typical behaviour when people go away (laughs) because they're fixing everybody else's problem and the poor little baby becomes unstuck. So give it a go. Use the elements that he knows, um, but he's a bit overtired. So go back to the timing and I'm sure it will all start to turn itself back around. All right. Well, thank you. That's a pleasure. Good luck, Emma. Thank you very much, guys. Kelly, she has a 22-month-old. Every couple of nights, uh, my 22-month-old wakes anywhere between 12 and 3 and won't go back to sleep for about two hours. He seems wide awake and chatting and cries when we leave him. We leave him to cry for a few minutes, but he gets himself so worked up, tears are streaming and he's beside himself. During the day, he sleeps two hours from 12 to 2 and I don't struggle to get him to go down to sleep both morning and night. What could be the reason for this waking and how can I make it stop? It's been happening for about one and a half months now, maybe twice a week. He's a good sleeper otherwise. Well, Kelly, I've literally just come from a client with exactly the same problem. Right. <laughs> and then we worked out pretty quickly that what they were doing was meeting the child's needs. So they were there. If they walked away, he cried. If they came back, he was happy. And this had been going on for about a month and a half. Um, And the answer in the end for them was to do control crying because they found that whatever they did didn't actually help. So there's this point of how do you know how to move forward in it? So it sounds like all the timing's right. So he's getting up in the morning, he's going down from 12 till 2. Um, You could try putting him down at 7.30, so taking that full five and a half hours from when he woke to putting him down to see if that helps. But if he's awake and chatty... It's more that he probably just needs to be reset on how to go back to sleep again. Um, so the more you do for him, I think this in this case, the more he will feed off it. And you need to try and pull back a little bit. And there will be tears. But hopefully what it will allow him to do is to be able to self-settle. So he's either waiting for you to put him to sleep. Um, whether that be patting, rocking, an extra feed, you know, just wearing him out for an hour and a half before he's tired enough to go to sleep. And what I think he's lost to, lost to lost the habit of doing is actually putting himself back to sleep. So he sort of thinks it's party time in the middle of the night. So very slowly you're going to have to extend the periods that you're not with him and go back and give him some reassurance. Um, and some people will try that and they will get good traction and they'll be able to, you know, get the baby to self-settle. And some people may even have to move on and do a controlled crying where they've left him for 10, 11, 12 minutes 
even 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or for him to settle himself. And I think that that's an individual thing and that you need to be comfortable with what you're doing. But I think the first thing you need to see is that the more you're doing for him, the less he has the ability to self-settle. So have a think about all of that and see if that might be able to help you get him to to be more settled. So extend the times of him trying to go to sleep and, and shorten the times that you're in with him. Now we have a question from Ali who has a six-month-old. My six-month-old cannot go down to sleep without crying, often hysterically. This is either with naps or when put down for the evening sleep. The only time this isn't the case is if she falls asleep in the carrier or the pram. I've tried tweaking her windows of awake time. Is it possible she just hates the idea of sleep? No, it's a reactive behaviour. So when you put her in the place that's comforting and nurturing to her, i.e. the the carrier or the pram, where she's snuggled in and movement's putting her to sleep, she feels really comfortable. But when you ask her to do it independently and sort of on her own, then she gets herself all worked up because she gets a mixed message. So she gets some in the bed, some in the car, some in in the pram. So um, children do cry when they go to bed. Not a lot of children don't cry when they go to bed. So those children have probably learnt very early on how to independently um, go to sleep. And all she's saying by crying is, I need some help. I need you to come to me. So we need to give her a minute to try and sort it out. But she's used to some movement to go to sleep during the day, it sounds like. So by putting your hands, when you go back to her, by putting your hands on her and gently rocking her body, it might give her the same feeling as if she was in the carrier or in the pram. In the carrier, if you pat a bottom, then try patting her bottom. And and give it a good few minutes. It's not going to happen in a minute or two minutes. It's probably going to take you 40 minutes. But you might be patting for five minutes before she calms down or six minutes you might have to give her another little cuddle and another little pat and a rock and then put her back down so um, there's a difference with six month olds being left to cry and in this case just reteaching her that this is where you want to go to sleep and that you're with her and then in time as she learns those skills you'll be out, you'll be doing less and she'll be able to self-settle herself so this is probably more about the message she gets and and where she's sleeping more than than anything else. So take a few days, give her consistency, and I think you'll be surprised at how much she can do in that time frame. From Erin on the phone, Erin has a three and a half year old and 10 month old twins. So she's having lots of fun. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm good, Siobhan. How are you? Good. Thanks, Dylan. Do you want to tell Chris what's going on? Absolutely. So I call you or I message you guys a lot for a lot of information. So thank you very much because it's definitely working. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> um, I have two questions today, one about my three-and-a-half-year-old and, a half year old and yep. one about the twins separately. So yep. uh, we moved into our new house. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got your information from that and set up his bedroom perfectly. And, um, you know, he, he's been sleeping really, really well through the night um, and not waking up. He doesn't have day sleeps anymore. Okay. Um but he's decided that he loves waking up at five o'clock in the morning. Oh. And as much as he has a grow clock in his room and he knows <laughs> when it turns yellow, that's when he's allowed to get up. He's waking up at five and he's yelling through the house and waking everybody up, resulting in a very grumpy household for the entire day. So how do I get him to... What and time I, does he I'm, go to sleep, Erin? He goes to sleep anywhere between 7 and 7.30 at night. 
Yeah, that seems reasonable. Is it more towards 7.30 or more towards the 7, do you think? Because he's waking uh, up 5. Depend. Oh, it's hard to tell. So some days he'll fall asleep as soon as I put him in bed and some days I'll read him a book, pop him in bed, give him his cuddle and I can hear him sort of talking to his bunny and reading a book to bunny while I'm sort of, you know, cleaning up the dishes yeah. or something like that and he'll fall asleep close to 7.30. So it varies from night to night, really. Okay. So this is a tricky one because I think for a three-and-a-half-year-old, he's probably more towards the seven and a half, 7.30 window. But he's waking mm-hmm. at five, which makes for a longer day. So you keep getting caught in the trap where one day he's tired and one day he's not tired. Yeah. Um, so if your timing is roughly between 7 and 7.30, depending on his day, I think you're doing really well. Okay. The five o'clock issue is more learned. So the, <laughs> I've never really seen a grow clock work properly. Most kids bring it out and say, look, it's orange at five o'clock <laughs> in the morning or it's blue. <laughs> um, so I think this is more of a learned behaviour. And because of that five o'clock wake up, you don't get the consistent 7.30 putting him to bed because you have to keep judging him being tired or not. So I think we have to start at the five o'clock end of the day instead of the end of the 7.30 end of the day. Sorry, we have to start with the five o'clock start of the day instead of the 7.30 end of the day. And we have to just keep giving him the message that he's back to bed. So Mm -hmm. I would treat this as if he had woken up at three in the morning, you know, because at the moment it's still dark. Um, yeah. in terms of him waking up at five o'clock. And if he calls out or gets out and comes to you, I would literally just walk him back and tell him it's time for sleep. If he calls out, I'd just go to the door, point my little finger and use your mummy tone. Don't yell at him, but use your mummy tone and say, it's time for sleep. Shut your eyes. And yep. it's more effective if maybe dad could do it. So you interchange this. So it's not all about you. And it's not all yep. about dad either. But he doesn't get that consistency of just going, mommy, mommy, mommy. So yep. I would point your little finger and start with a five o'clock end and, and treat it as if it was three o'clock in the morning. So yep. don't play into it. And if he gets out, is he in a bed? Um, he is in a big boy bed, yeah. Yeah, so if he gets off it or gets out of it, I'd just march him straight back again. And I think it'll take you about five or six days, but I think you'll get the message. Okay, and do you think it's worth taking all of the toys out of his room? Uh, no, not normally, because we're teaching him to lay in the bed. So, you know, if he sat on his bed at five o'clock in the morning and talked to Bunny, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I just know mm-hmm. he's woken up earlier. But I don't think taking the toys out of his room is going to do anything. Because okay. I'm assuming he's not getting out of bed and playing. Or well, he's getting out of bed and playing with his cars. <laughs> oh, he is getting out of his bed and playing. Yeah, okay. he's a cheeky one. <laughs> There's a cheeky, cheeky way of fixing this. If you get your porticot and stick it in the middle of the room and then tell him if he gets off his bed, you're going to put him in the baby cot. Okay. And when he gets off his bed, you literally pick him up and put him in the baby cot and he'll be sitting in the baby cot. He'll look very big in it. But it's sort <laughs> of like a little bit of time out for that behaviour. And that okay. sometimes just flicks them over because they look at the porticot and they say to themselves, I'm not going in there. That's where the babies go. And they sort okay. of learn to stay on their bed. So yep. otherwise you would have to confiscate the toys that he's using, you know. But it must be pretty light in the room for him to get off the bed. And... So no, is there a light? He light on. Oh, he goes and turns the light. Oh, he's very self-sufficient, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He certainly is. Okay. <laughs> then that's, yeah, the next problem is the light. So I think if we put a bit of behavior around it, so not like he's he's sort of in trouble but not seriously in trouble, don't yeah. overdo it, he'll get it. 
and maybe taking the toys. I reckon if you took the toys out of the room, though, he'd just walk out the door and into your room and tell I you all about it. gate on his door. Oh, good um, work, Erin. Well, his bedroom's right by the front door. Oh, so you um, needed the gate on there anyway. Yeah, for se- yeah. more for security reasons. Just yeah. So he's not going to bolt out the front door. Yeah, that's door. right. It's not about who's coming in, it's who's leaving. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Erin, if that's all right, could we move on to your twins, the yeah. 10-month-old yeah, twins, because I know you have another question. Um, so they've just turned 10, month, 10 months on the weekend, they've just turned, and they love every piece of food they can probably shove in their mouth. Good work. My, my, oh, they're fantastic. They've literally just taken to food so easily. My concern is how much do they would need to eat and how much should they be eating? Because if I keep putting food in front of them, they, they just keep, keep eating. eating it. Yeah. Okay, so if you do you use um, a bowl to put the food in or do you use a plate to put the food on? Um, it depends on what they're eating. So okay. if they're eating sort of like their mushy fruit or anything like that with a bit of yogurt or... Yeah, um, you put it in a bowl. A, yeah, I put it in the bowl and obviously feed it to them, but I've got to keep their hands occupied with, say, a spoon or something like yeah. that because otherwise they, they just won't put their eat. hands in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that. And then when they're having their, they sort of skipped the whole mushy vegetable stage and they just went, went straight to food. wanting, yeah, they went straight to finger food. So yep. I've just been putting it on um, a little bit on the, like the tray of the high chair yep. Um, yep. while we've been eating. So they don't have a place or anything that they can just pick up and throw, throw across the room kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So um, assuming that you would probably feed them breakfast just because of the nature yep. of breakfast and give them some toast to play with, lunch should be a half a sandwich to a whole sandwich and a few finger food bits like some cucumber mm-hmm. sticks. If they ate most of that, that'd be pretty good. If they okay. ate all of it, I don't think you're overfeeding them. Okay, okay. And cool. then for dinner, it depends whether you're doing finger food, but if I was doing it as finger food, I might mm-hmm. have done maybe half a sausage each, maybe some little pieces of potato that I might have baked so they can pick them up in their hand and a yep. pile of peas. Now, if they ate all of that, that'd be pretty good. You might give them a bit of yogurt and fruit after. Or if they yep. ate two-thirds of that, that would be pretty good. And okay. um, I had a good quote the other day that you only give them food and sit them to the table and they have to work out how much they're going to eat and when they're going to eat it. So okay. I think, you know, if you're sort of around that size and they're eating well, then you're doing well. Okay, perfect. And how many bottles should they be having on top of that food? Three. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Done and dusted, Erin. Oh, well, the twins are doing well then. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Well, good luck with that. And please call back if you have any more questions. Thank you, ladies. Will do. Brilliant. Thanks, Erin. (laughs) This question comes from Renee, who has a 13-month-old. How can you drop formula feeds? Her baby is 13 months at daycare, four days a week, has occasional evening and weekend boob. Was um, BLW Mm. from seven months? Why am I not knowing what that acronym stands for? And is an excellent eater. She is dropping the nighttime feed, but is craving one before after a lunch nap. Oh, baby led weaning. Oh. Thank you for that was given to us by Rachel. Uh, So she's she's baby led weaning from seven months and is an excellent eater. She is dropping the nighttime fee but is craving one before after a lunch nap and refusing food at this time. Well, at 14, at 13 months, I would think she would have three milk feeds in the day. So 
how can you drop the formula feeds? So she must be formula-fed baby with a couple of breastfeeds. Yeah, I think so, uh, an occasional evening and weekend breastfeed. Okay. So at 13 months, I would think at a minimum you would have a morning feed and an, after- and an evening feed. So let's assume it's at lunchtime when you, you drop. Um, usually you can't drop it very successfully until they're on one sleep in the middle of the day because that sort of fills that gap. So um, generally speaking, the actual answer is they just drop it. You quite literally just drop it. But I'm not sure where the feeds are at. So if I mm. assume that she's having one at breakfast, one at lunchtime, one in the evening, and you're dropping the lunchtime one, um, we literally just push her lunch out a little bit further to absorb. And I usually give them a little bit of cow's milk if she's on cow's milk. Oh, no, it's formula. I give her a little bit of formula in an, in a cup so she's having a drink of milk with her lunch. And usually they're absolutely fine with that. So I, the first thing I would say is she might want it for a month longer. When you move it to one sleep, it'll be much easier to do. And if not, if you're ready to do it, um, then just quite literally stop it. But move her lunch out to absorb where that bottle was. So if she was having lunch at 11.30 and a bottle at 1, you'd do lunch at 12, 12.30, some milk with that, and then just pop her down for her afternoon sleep. All right. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on <laughs> Kindling Conversation. And we have time for one more question, which comes from Kim, who has a 13-month-old baby who wakes most nights around four-ish. She has been exclusively breastfed since birth. I give her a quick feed, then she's back in bed. Um, <laughs> the acronyms are killing me today. I'm sorry. There's something wrong with my brain. My, my M- MCHN? Yeah, early childhood nurse. Okay. Yeah. Has said she shouldn't be hungry at that time, though we need to let her cry. For, and we need to let her, her cry, cry for five to ten minutes and then go in and resettle her. She doesn't have a dummy, just a cuddly toy. We've tried for a week to resettle her, but no luck with either my husband or I. She's a brilliant sleeper during the day, just wondering what else I could be doing if I want to drop this feed and ideally have her sleeping through. You are doing the right thing. The The nurse has given you the right answer. The only alternative to not giving her the feed, I mean, to giving her the feed is not giving her the feed. So I think what you're doing in terms of resettling, sometimes when they see their mothers coming in, they just look at you, I call it looking at your chest. So they go, oh, there's the breastfeeder. I'll go down there. So having dad going consistently over um, three or four days instead of interjecting might help it um, in terms of settling her. And it's a a little bit about the message. The thing about 13-month-old is they're very determined. Like they stand up on the side of the cot and they're telling you what they want. So letting her self-settle for that five or ten minutes like they've suggested and you just going in, laying her down, giving her a pat until she's calm and quiet and leaving and repeating it, eventually they do get the message. And the, the, the nurse has sort of summed it up. She's 13 months and if she's feeding well for you in the day, she doesn't need that feed at four in the morning. And again, have a look at what might be waking her. Is it that she's cold? Is it that she's moving around the bed? Is it those other external factors that could be causing the four o'clock wake up? Um, the alternative, as I say to lots of mums, is you may need to be happy doing that one feed if generally everybody is happy, you know. So it's it's that whole thing between the 
is what we're doing working for us or is what we're doing we need to look at and see if we can do it differently. But it sounds like you want to give up the four o'clock breastfeed and so you're going to have to do a little bit of work to get her to do it. She's been having it now for a little while so it's going to take a little while for her to just unlearn that behaviour. So stick with it. You, you will get there. That's all we have time for today on Kindling Helpline. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure. As always, you can get in touch with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling.com.au. And don't forget that all of Chris's advice from Kindling Helpline is available for free on the Kindling app under Stuff for Grown-Ups. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.